we'll be reading verses 1 through 17. Esther chapter 4. Hear ye then the word of the Lord. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city, and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's command and his decree reached, there was a great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and lamenting. And many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's young women and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Hathach went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree written uh, issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hathach went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come in to the king these thirty days. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold the fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever and ever. Father, we do thank you for thy holy word. We do pray, grant us greater understanding, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Grant us illumination. And Father, we might hear and walk in accordance with your word and will. And Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now last time, of course, we saw the deception uh, by Haman, the king's vizier, essentially, uh, his second-in-command, who was promoted and placed above the other officers of the king. He told the king of a group of people, all right, the Jews, and said that they did not obey the law of the king. 
They were disobedient to the king's law, and so they posed a threat to the king and to Persia itself if they do nothing. So he basically lies to uh, the king in order to get what he wants to be done. Now, in reality, of course, Haman had his pride hurt. That's really what happens. That's what boiled down to. He had his pride hurt because Mordecai refused to bow down or pay homage to a man who was also an Amalekite. He was an Amalekite who was a dreadful enemy of the Jews. They have always been a dreadful enemy to the Jews from the very time of the Exodus. The Amalekites tried to wipe out the Jews way back then, and now again they try to do so through Haman. They will attempt to do it one more time at least. So, but thankfully, of course, God has other plans. God will work his perfect will because God has indeed called a woman named Esther for exactly such a time as this, as the title will see this morning. For God is indeed working out his divine providence according and among all of his people. But even those who put in place to deliver his people can sometimes, according to the flesh, be a little fearful. Even this young lady, um, Esther. But it will be time, of course, a time will come where you have to set aside this fear. And then it will be time for the deliverer to finally stand up for the Lord and to save his people Israel. Now, of course, all of this is in God's perfect timing, every single bit of it. And God will use this humble, very young woman to accomplish one of the greatest feats of God's providence in human history. A very great feat indeed. Now, if he can use her, if God can use little Esther, then certainly he can use you and me as well. So we need to stand firm, stand firm as Christians, stand firm as believers, knowing that the Lord himself is our strength. We take up the shield of faith, we take up the sword of the Spirit, and what do we do? Drop it? No, we go into the battle, because the battle is the Lord's. And so we stand firm in our faith, seeking to do that which glorifies God, as we always do. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let's go ahead and take a look here. In verses 1 through 8, we see our first point here, the time for sackcloth and ashes, our first heading. There was here in verses 1 through 8, there was a great cry in Susa of Persia. A great bitter cry came from a man who was grieved to his very heart. This was Mordecai, of course. Mordecai found out about Haman's plan to slaughter the Jews, but not just some Jews, but all the Jews. All the Jews everywhere. So he tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and ashes. And that's, of course, a proper wear of the day when you've entered into great mourning. And also if you're going to be in repentance, okay? But he went into the middle of the city and there he began to wail. He began to cry aloud to all the people there because his bitterness was severe. His heart is so heavy. And now sometimes... You know, the wearing of the sackcloth and ashes would be the sign of repentance. And, and you might think, was he actually repenting of his sins before the Lord? Now he may be. But it was not just Mordecai that is in the sackcloth and ashes, but all the Jews in Susa who heard the king's decree likewise were entering into a great time of mourning and fasting and crying and lamentation because so bitter of what the pill that they're going to have to swallow if this all takes place. 
Now, did the people there, did the Jews here in Susa, did they need to repent? Yes, they did. They needed to repent. Why? Because God had commanded them to go to Jerusalem. They had the opportunity, and he told them to go, but some disobeyed, and some stayed in Persia. Some were assimilated, really quickly assimilated. Some were just used, basically they got used to the whole idea of the Persian way of life. Okay, it seemed like it was fairly easy. Okay, they thought, no, we got used to this. Nevertheless, in every single province, 127 provinces of the kingdom of here, of uh, uh, basically of uh, Xerxes. However, you can be sure that Mordecai is doing this. He is not repenting of his refusal to bow before the cursed Amalek, okay, the Amalekite. He is an Agagite, okay? There's another way to say that, but Mordecai, of course, is dressed in sackcloth and ashes, and he was not allowed to go to the king's gate dressed in mourning. That is forbidden. That is against their law, but he went then to the entrance of the gate instead, which means you have the gate, and he goes beyond the entrance, beyond the gate itself, the entrance to the gate. And so he is mourning there, all right? Um, he has extreme sadness and bitterness in his heart, and the, the feelings that he has are genuine, but he is not going to break the law. He is not going to break the law by doing this at the gates, where he would face judgment for that. Now, how would you feel, just so you kind of help set the stage for yourself, how would you feel if you found out that all the people, all the people that you know and love, Okay, the entire nation that you live in uh, was going to be executed. How would you feel if you knew every one of them, they were all at one time, on one day, all of them, including you, were going to die? Pretty scary. Pretty scary. And the Jews are very much afraid. You may be frightened, you may be scared, but you might also go into a serious time of prayer. You may go into a mourning before the Lord. You may begin fasting like you've never fasted before, crying for deliverance for your people. So that's how Mordecai is feeling. He is a man in great bitterness. Oh, his heart is torn. I mean, I am tearing the clothes, whatever he might be able to do. Uh, Well, Esther finds out, Esther heard about Mordecai. And so what does Esther do in response to Mordecai's attire? Well, she sends uh, Mordecai some proper clothing to wear over there by the gate. All right, uh, that sounds a little bit funny. Uh, She has some proper clothing sent to him uh, so he won't get in trouble in case he gets too close to the gate. Now, it does sound a little bit superficial. Everybody kind of points that out. It does sound superficial, but remember this. She is a young lady who is essentially imprisoned in the harem of the king. All right? So she, even though she is the queen, uh, she may not always be uh, and then know of what is happening in the city at that time. She may not really know what's taking place or will take place. Not yet, anyway. And so she sends her attendant, uh, Hathach, uh, one of the king's units, over to find out what's up with Mordecai. All right? Or what's popular right now is, what up, Mordecai? Right? So it's basically finding out. And so she sends him over there. He finds Mordecai, and he tells him everything, every single bit of what's happening. Mordecai was disgusted with Haman's plot to try and slay them all. He is disgusted by that. He told Hathach 
uh, what happened to him. He told him how much money that Haman promised to put into the king's private bank account that he can finally and totally destroy the Jews. This is a big deal. To ensure that Esther understood the magnitude of what's going on, of this threat against the Jews, the entire Jewish population, he gave a copy of the decree to be taken to Esther. Okay, and then he was to explain it to her very carefully, all the gruesome details that are there. Okay, and he's going to tell her, look, this is all the Jews. And he will say, it includes you. And then tell her this, okay? Command her, tell her to go, go to the king, beg him, plead with him, do whatever you must in order to tell him to do not allow uh, Haman to kill the Jews. Do whatever it takes to get the king's ear to have him stop this. And Hathach, he went to tell Queen Esther everything, leading us to see, secondly, over here in verses 9 through 11, it comes time, really, for the deliverer to stand. I saw you walk by. <laughs> All right. Well, Hathach delivers the written decree, and he explains everything to Esther very carefully, very slowly, and clearly. But remember, Esther is a Jew, so how do you think Esther would react to this? Well, she's afraid. Just like anybody, she's a young lady, she's afraid, she's scared, she probably thinks that I'll go do anything, or basically if I do anything, he's going to kill me. I can't go into the king right now, if I would walk in there, that's a death penalty, and they'll kill me too. So don't be too hard on Esther um, here at this point, the possibility of being executed, it is a terrifying thing, and there are Christians around the world that do face this. How would you feel if your life was on the line yourself? It's kind of scary, right? How about your family, your kids, your grandkids? What if uh, they're all suddenly put on the chopping block? I mean, it's very, very terrifying. It would be very scary. And as a young woman, Esther is terrified. She is completely very natural to be afraid. Now remember, she doesn't yet understand, she doesn't have the hindsight that we have here for us. She doesn't yet understand the providence of God in her life and bringing her for such a time as this. And she doesn't know yet. She doesn't understand. But she will. She will. Remember when Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane and you remember when he was about to face being arrested and, and he was going to be tortured and beaten bloody, whipped to a bloody mess and then nailed to a cross. And he was going to bear the penalty of the sins of man. Was Jesus distressed? You bet he was. It said he sweated drops of blood. Okay, there's a certain expression for that, by the way, when the capillaries rupture because the stress are under and it mixes in with your sweat. And literally, I uh, have a bloody sweat that falls from him. Okay, so he's about to face an incredible amount of pain, an incredible amount of suffering and wrath and death. He's going to face all this. And so, in the same kind of manner, Esther is afraid to face such a fate as being executed. It's terrifying for her to think of. That might be happening even to her. And being fearful in her heart, she reacts to Hathach in verse 11. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called... There is but one law to be put to death. 
except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. So you walk in there, you face death on the spot. She knows that, and she's afraid of that. Said, it's been a while. I mean, I can't just walk in there and do this. Uh, basically, she's giving him a reason why she cannot go to beg the king. So I can't go unless he calls me. So I don't want to go in there. It's scary. I don't want to do this, and if I do, I'll die. So even Mordecai knows this, all right? He knows this, but the entire nation, not just a couple people, the entire nation of the Jews is at the very threat right on the cusp of extermination. Extermination. He asked Esther to go, not just to save her skin or to save his skin, but to go on behalf of her people. You must go before, before the king, go on behalf of your people and mine. You must seek their good, seek their lives, because God will deliver. Okay, he will. Go to the king, go representing them as your people. Go before the king because you're one of us. You're one of them. Go before the king and do this. It's in God's hands. But she basically says, like, I can't go because I might be killed. Like I said, can't be too hard. She's a young lady. This takes a lot of boldness. And she is afraid. So mark this. She, she's really afraid of the king's law. We don't know how many times this has taken place. But she is afraid of the king's law. What if, what if he does not hold out the golden scepter? And she will die. She will die. First of all, why wouldn't he hold forth the golden scepter? Well, why wouldn't he? Because he is, obviously, we know he is totally enamored with her, right? He's head over heels in love with her. He felt, he saw her like, oh, wow, I got to marry her. She's going to be queen. Now, she, he's just all uh, totally enraptured by her. And we kind of wonder why wouldn't he do so? He's mesmerized with her beauty. And we know that, right? And she continues in verse 11. Look again. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. Well, that's interesting. That's a long time for the queen not to be called before the king. 30 days. You know, of course, we don't know really why it's been 30 days. Okay, and It's a bad sign. It's a bad sign, and she doesn't like that sign. It's been 30 days since he's called to see me. Maybe all is not right. Maybe all is not good. He, he may have something against me, and I don't know. All right? Of course, he's probably been spending time with his harem of a too busy for the love of his life. Uh, that. But it does look bad. It does sound bad. She believes she has a right to be afraid. And she does. Okay? Bravery is, uh, doesn't mean you're not afraid. It means you do it anyway. Right? Okay? Remember, she doesn't know that God is going to use her to deliver his people to Israel. He, she doesn't know that. She doesn't know this at all. Now, we know it as hindsight, but she didn't have a clue at this point that God was going to use her to deliver the people. And so we got to give Esther a little bit of grace there. She's young and afraid, as uh, soap operas might say, right? She's trapped in a pagan household, and she's married to a man who can kill her at whim. He can simply slay her if he wants to. But now is not the time to be concerned with only yourself or Esther. It is time for the deliverer to stand up and to face the music for her own people. It's time for her to take a stand because she will die too. She must take a stand for the people. So what did she expect from Mordecai to do when she said that? 
It's like, well, I can't go in there. He might kill me. Well, Mordecai didn't say this. Well, you know what? Since you put it that way, don't worry about it. Uh, we'll find somebody else to go. No, no, he didn't do that. Basically says, no, you get up and you go and you save your people. You go before them and try to save your people. As for you and me, take the gospel. We take the gospel to all those that we encounter. We take the gospel to the people, your neighbors, your co-workers, whoever they may be. You try to reach out to them with the gospel for the salvation of their souls. So we don't tarry. But we go, as she is called to go here, to deliver her people. I think sometimes we fail to realize the urgency of the gospel commission to take the gospel to those around us who are dying and perishing in their sins. But we take the gospel to those that we encounter. And finally, we also see verses 12 through 17, we see such a time has finally come. Such a time in 12 through 17. So Mordecai, Mordecai sent word to Esther through Hathach again. He sent word to Esther and he says this, don't think that you will somehow escape. Okay? If they slaughter the Jews, they're going to kill you too. Yeah, be afraid. Be very afraid. Okay? So don't think that you're going to escape simply if, well, if I just don't do it, I'll be good. He said, no, you don't do it, you will die anyway. He knows that she's afraid. It's okay for her to be afraid, but the time to be brave and it's time to seek the people of God. It's time to seek to save them. It's time for the deliverance of her people. So bravery, again, doesn't mean that you're not afraid. Bravery means you go in spite of the fear. Like, have you ever gone door-to-door visiting? I've done that many times, and and sometimes you know, people kind of react funny, okay? They just do. And sometimes they can be a little threatening as well. You do it anyway. Be nice, be polite, be respectful, but do it anyway, okay? I have, still haven't had anybody throw a fist at me yet, okay? So, um, but anyway, bravery, we go anyway. We go in spite of any fear we may have. And I summarize this. Basically, he says this, if you keep silent... If you stay silent, God will still deliver his people. He will deliver his people because he is the covenant-keeping God. So he will still deliver his people, but you and your father's house will perish. You and your father's home, they will all die. And he's right. He says you can't escape it. You can only face it. You can't escape it. You can only face it and do so by faith in the true and living God. So he tells her, He said basically like this, well, you know, who knows? Who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And it was exactly such a time as this. She didn't know it, but it was exactly for such a time like this that God placed Esther as a Jew, as a queen in Persia. God did this. Why? Because he would deliver his people Israel. God will do so. Esther is there by the divine providence of God. Mordecai is there by the providence of God. And God is going to send Esther over there to bury very well before the king facing death for her people. And God will use her in a very great and powerful way. Esther complies. Esther complies. She agrees to face potential death. But if she will do so, he said, go, she says, 
Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa. And hold the fast, a total fast for three full days. And she and her attendants will do likewise. And she says, I will go to the king. I will go to the king, though it is against the law to do so. And if I perish, I perish. Still afraid, but now she realizes that she must do this. Okay, she's called to this. Remember Job? What did Job say? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in thee. All right, Mordecai did as he basically, as she ordered him to do. He went and did exactly what she said to go out and do and tell everyone to enter into fasting and stuff, and they did. But she will go, and her bravery will be known in all of Israel. It will be known forever and ever, really. She had a faith after all. She may have been afraid, but she has faith after all. She lays her life in the very hands of God who gave her her life for such a time as this. Now we know she was facing a very difficult day. And we may face difficult days of our own. You may be facing some difficult days even now. But will we trust in the Lord now and tomorrow? When the days get darker, when the days get harder, when the days become more fearful, will we trust in the Lord no matter what? If I perish, I perish. Well, it's not going to be a random thing. It'll be by God's hand and his providential will and care. And he has numbered our days. And so we trust in him. Because the Lord is the one who says, oh no, such a time as this, uh, God has appointed. So it's okay to be afraid sometimes. It is all right to be afraid. It doesn't mean you're never going to be fearful about, you know, how, I mean, I know a lot of us will say, well, I'm not afraid to die, but getting there might be kind of scary, all right? Yeah, getting dragged underneath the 18-wheeler is not my ideal way to go, all right? But uh, it does happen, okay? But will we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Will we submit to his will? Because it may be, you know, for your days today or tomorrow that the Lord may give unto you, maybe such a time as then and there that God will be using you to reach the lost that you encounter every single day. You may not have had opportunity um, yesterday or last month, but you may have opportunity tomorrow. But will you be bold for Christ? Probably not facing death, okay? But will you be bold to take the gospel to those around you every single day? Because God has you there for a purpose. God has you there for a reason. God has you exactly where you are for such a time as this, and I close with these words from John 15, verses 18 through 21. Jesus said, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. And we'll stop right there. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for thy holy word. And, and Father, here in the life of Esther and 
And Father, we know the fear she had was very real, very tangible fear, Lord. But Father, even then, fear can give way to faith. Uh, Lord, that we know that if we perish, we perish, but Lord, it's in your hands, not ours. But Father, I pray that you be with each one here this morning. And Father, sometimes the, the fears do begin to strike the chords in the heart. And we do pray, O oh Lord, give and grant a, a calm assurance by your Spirit. Now, Lord, a boldness to stand anyway. Oh, Lord, as we take the gospel of Jesus Christ to a people who are dying in sin. Oh, Lord, we might reach out with the love of Christ. Father, we might be found faithful before you all the days of our lives. And, and Father, we do thank you, oh, Lord, for your grace that you show us all the days. Father, we praise you. We thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right, now, if you will.